to another edition of the UK Law Week podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Cartier International and British Telecommunications. And the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 28. And you may have heard of both of the two companies involved in this case, but probably not in the same context before. Cartier produced luxury goods like jewellery and watches, while British Telecommunications, or BT, offer phone and internet connections. So what has brought these two rather different companies together? Well, there are a lot of sites online that offer fake Cartier goods, and the real Cartier company was not exactly happy about this. They tried to get an injunction that would require BT and other internet service providers, or ISPs, to block access to these websites. Cartier was successful in this regard, but the case that we are looking at today is associated with costs, as the High Court judge required BT and the other ISPs to pay all of the costs, including the implementation of the website blocking order. The ISPs appealed to the Court of Appeal, arguing that paying these costs was not fair, as they were not wrongdoers in this case. Companies like BT only provide access to the networks, but it is not like they are running the sites or even storing the content on their servers. The Court of Appeal still found against the ISPs though, and so the case was appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick it up. Now, while the internet itself is a relatively new phenomenon, there is an older general precedent in English law about innocent third parties, having to do certain things. The main case in this area is Norwich Pharmacal and Customs and Excise Commissioners from 1973, and orders made in this regard are even called Norwich Pharmacal Orders. That case actually related to intellectual property law, but the House of Lords held that an innocent third party can be ordered to help a party that has suffered damage where they are able to do so. The general rule is that where a third party is made to help out, they will at least be entitled to costs, but the justices explored whether this still held true in the context of ISPs and website blocking orders. To do this, the Supreme Court turned to European law, and in particular a number of directives that govern intellectual property rights. In particular, the e-commerce directive does a lot to limit the liability of ISPs, But the problem is that it does not go so far as to deal with the question of costs in the context of orders against them. This is the open point of interpretation where the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court were split. Future Supreme Court Justice, Lord Justice Kitchen, in the Court of Appeal, read the directive as implicitly requiring the ISPs to bear the costs. In essence, he felt that there was a trade-off such that in return for ISPs only having limited liability under the directive, they should have to bear the costs of orders in respect of that service. Some indirect support for this view was found in L'Oreal and eBay from 2012, where the internet auction site eBay was held to have certain responsibilities in respect of users of the site. In his lead judgment, Lord Sumption disagreed with this approach and the reasoning of the Court of Appeal in general. Cost rulings should not be implied into a directive, and in fact the supplementary material makes it clear that this question is left to national law 
rather than being decided upon at an EU level. Furthermore, the idea of a trade-off between liability and costs simply begs the question. In logical terms, this is called a petitio principi, and means that the conclusion drawn is based on a premise that lacks any support. In other words, there is nothing in the directive to suggest anything about costs orders, so there is no basis there to imply meaning where it doesn't exist. The limited liability for ISPs is not related to costs at all, and is actually a practical decision on the basis that the providers have little or no control over content. In fact, the only real comment within the directive about these so-called compliance costs is that they should not be excessive, and this sits alongside the other general EU principles of fairness and proportionality. Back within the realm of English law, we can be much more precise and note that the allocation of these costs is related to the legal distribution of risk, and so a party that is innocent, as is the case here, would be safe in that respect. This returns us to the point made earlier about Norwich Pharmacal orders, and so there is no reason why that same principle from 1973 should also not apply here. We have an innocent party that is being made to act because of a court order, so there is no real justification for making that same party bear the costs of having to do something that would not ordinarily be a duty. Lord Sumption did also consider other arguments that might be a basis for adapting the traditional rules in Norwich Pharmacal for ISPs. For example, although we have already established that ISPs are not responsible for content on the internet, there is no denying that they are a major beneficiary of that content. Think about it this way, if there was nothing on the internet, no Facebook, no YouTube, no awesome weekly law-based podcasts, then you would not actually pay an ISP to access such a shoddy service. Lord Sumption noted that while this might be true, that only equates to a moral or commercial responsibility, and not any sort of duty that would be recognised in law. Cartier are trying to protect their own commercial interests by obtaining a website blocking order, so they should pay for this themselves. The only people who could be made to contribute are the people running the dodgy websites that infringe Cartier's intellectual property. Finally, before we move on to the analysis, it is quite funny to point out that although BT and the other ISPs avoided paying costs on this front, they did have to pay for the legal costs of this case, because the companies had effectively turned this into a test case by resisting Cartier's application with such force. For me, the most interesting place to start our analysis is back in the Court of Appeal, because, to be frank, this judgement just didn't make very much sense at all. First of all, Lord Justice Kitchen reads something into an EU directive that quite simply isn't there. Sometimes it is necessary for justices to take certain leaps of interpretation, and derive certain implications from legislation, but here there is absolutely no basis for doing so. Secondly, the comparison between eBay and BT is very weak, and doesn't stand up to scrutiny on a technical level. This would be like comparing someone who runs a market stall with the person who owns the land that stall is on. The two are related in some way, but their liability in a legal sense is very different. Given that Lord Justice Kitchen will be joining the Supreme Court in October of this year, this is a point of concern about the 
expertise being offered, but perhaps this isn't exclusive to him. We often hear discussion about the gender gap that exists in the senior judiciary, and that is a serious problem, but we don't hear as much about the age gap. Kitchen is 63, but all of the justices could fairly be described as coming towards the end of their professional careers. In some ways this is fair enough. The Supreme Court is the highest court in the land and it should be a lifetime's work to get to that level. Furthermore, the enforced retirement indirectly helps to ensure that terms do not last for excessively long periods, as they tend to in the United States Supreme Court. Nevertheless, this is still a lack of diversity, and as technology changes rapidly, the Supreme Court does not exactly keep up. We saw in this case that the application of a traditional principle from Norwich Pharmacal was suitable for this dispute, but that will not always be the case. Over the next 10 or 20 years, we will begin to see questions around things like artificial intelligence and driverless cars go through the courts, and they will require a degree of expertise in information technology that does not yet exist. The consequence is more uninformed decisions like the one from Lord Justice Kitchen, or a greater reliance on younger judicial assistants to keep the senior judiciary in the loop. Fortunately, this time around, a rather obvious mistake was corrected. ISPs will always have a limited liability that is commensurate with the limited control they have over content. That was the correct decision, and the Norwich Pharmacal Principle stands the test of time by not allowing innocent third parties to suffer financially for something that they are being compelled to do via a court order. The commercial and moral questions around the benefits that ISPs receive from the content that is available on the internet, and the fact that almost the entire Western world is online nowadays, are important questions to ask, but Lord Sumption is wrong to suggest that there is no legal relevance to these questions. In the context of this case and the associated EU directives, there is no legal question, but as ISPs continue to benefit and reap the rewards of content providers, the questions posed will have to be in the back of politicians' minds as they consider how to regulate this area. As we move away from the EU, there is a legitimate question to be asked about how the free market is in this area, and whether ISPs should in fact be exposed to more liability. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provides the theme music. If you do get the opportunity to do so, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. At the moment, we're on 69 reviews, which is nice, but it would be even nicer if we got above 69 reviews. So um, thank you for doing that. I'll be back with another episode next week. But in the meantime, bye.